Darian. Yes, Toby. I want to talk to you about a really exciting new technology. Okay. A a major business recently put about $100 million into the development of this technology, and in three weeks on the market, it's made over $800 million. What? At these, I, have you heard of an 800% return on a technology recently? I mean, that's I believe that is unicorn-like. The name of this technology is Vibranium. Hi, this is Darian Bates. And this is Dr. Tobias Wilson-Bates. And this is The Stories We Tell Our Robots. It's the podcast about how we make our technology. And how our technology makes us. More specifically, the name of this technology is Black Panther. And more specifically than that, the name of this technology is Cinema. I've heard of that before. I feel like there's already been a fair amount of investment in that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, just trying to hook our readers here. All right. All right. So, so Black Panther, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, Black Panther is our technology du jour? Yeah. Uh, well, Black Panther, more specifically Cinema, and more specifically... Um, the, the fascinating, fascinating inside-outside play of technology inside the film, uh, you know, from a technology that is itself outside the film, but is the thing that creates the film, and then the thing inside the film comments back out onto the thing outside the film, I think. And, and, it, and this seems like the most important thing right now in tech. All right. Well, let's do it. Yeah, and, and don't take my advice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Judging from this opening, I clearly only vaguely know what I'm talking about. Um, I thought, let's bring in uh, one of the most intelligent people I know. All right. I'm already here. Yeah. <laughs> you you, oh, mean, you mean someone with specific expertise, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, perhaps a, a, a profoundly interesting and intelligent cinema scholar uh, who just so happens to live with me. Oh, um, I suspect, based upon all these context clues that you've given me, that we are talking about one Dr. Candace Wilson. Yes, yes, uh, that is exactly correct. Uh, my my wonderful, wonderful, brilliant wife, uh, Candace Nadia Wilson. Doctor. I <laughs> <laughs> all right. I cannot. Im I can imagine few things uh, more exciting than sitting down and talking with. Uh, Dr. Wilson about uh, about Black Panther, um, and we should say you probably would be running this interview if it wasn't for the fact that you guys had three progeny, who who need to be watched as somebody else interviews uh, Dr. Wilson. So, um, on this note, I I will let you go run tend to the uh, children, and I'll jump into a conversation with uh, Dr. Candace Wilson, PhD. All right. So, um, well, we're here today to. Um, talk about the movie Black Panther with uh, Dr. Candace Wilson. She has her PhD in uh, film studies, and she is a professor at uh, University of North Georgia. Am I right about that? Yes. Yes, you are. University of North Georgia, um, teaching uh, digital and film studies. Yes. Um, do, I have, do I have that generally right? You have that generally right. I tend to focus there in, film, uh, in um, film history. When we talked a little bit before this podcast about... Um, kind of why why Black Panther as a as a technological narrative. There are two things about it that I thought were really interesting. 
Uh, one is that Black Panther is a story that is premised on the idea of advanced technology, that technology within the film is kind of a driving if maybe the biggest driver of the narrative, like underneath everything is this idea of advanced technology and a, and a rethinking of kind of who um, kind of culturally has the most advanced technology. But the other part that you've brought up, which I thought was very interesting was the idea of film as a technology and film as a really essential technology and a really essential American technology. So I guess first, what before touching upon the cinema part of it, because you're right, that's a very pertinent aspect of thinking through Black Panther and um, the importance of the film. Part of what Black Panther does, it provides an answer to this overarching question that many Black people have. And, you know, you can extend it globally as well, but many black people have this question of, well, what would we have been like? What would Africa have been like if slavery hadn't happened, if colonialism hadn't happened, um, mm -hmm. if the world hadn't been thought to revile blackness, and if we hadn't been thought about our own lack, that that's a reality and a truth. And mm -hmm. Black Panther gives the answer as technology being that key element that would allow um, a you know a continent like Africa, you know uh, this fictional place of Wakanda, to thrive mm -hmm. and to be a world power. What's What's interesting about that to me is, in some ways, when you talk about colonialism and talk about kind of the history of Africa um, and kind of its, its, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the colonial history of Africa. Technology was often used, if I understand it correctly, and maybe you can kind of give me a better sense of it, technology was often used as the moral imperative. Like the idea that, that colonial powers had better technology was the kind of the morality behind colonialism in many cases. It was bringing, mm -hmm. it was bringing technology to the know quote savages right right bringing civilization in some way mm-hmm and so there's at the core at the core of that narrative it seems that there's this there's this implicit um assumption that the better technology gives you the right or even the responsibility to i mean i, I don't even know that you use the term subjugate it's to 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 bring others kind of under your moral authority right it's basically if you don't want to be swallowed by the west right mm -hmm. uh, by western civilization and you want to actually be on par to be human to be seen to really have a say about one's own representation that you have to have some type of technology through which you are able to represent yourself and therefore mm -hmm. accede to power and knowledge in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what makes cinema now as a technology very interesting because here you have a medium that's historically white, male, mm -hmm. embedded in um, 
racist ideologies right, and representations mm-hmm. of others. Uh, one of the ways in which um, cinema as a mechanism, it's, it's, it's inherently patriarchal and how it's been um, spo- spoken about. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of those elements that's at the key of it is the male gaze. And I'm not meaning to bring a little film theory into this, but it'll make mm-hmm. sense with um, how I want to talk about um, Black Panther and technology, cinema's technology, is that basically with the male gaze, it assumes that the basically the person behind the camera and in front of the camera is male and is white. He's able mm-hmm. to see and therefore articulate reality normalcy um power representation all these things right and Mm -hmm. he gets to drive forward the the plot the action and everyone else basically um they are articulated through his viewpoint and his ideology and that's what audiences the spectator in these dark theaters then consume and they believe as mm-hmm. being reality right mm-hmm. and this is a historically white male figure and so here you get in a film like black panther um a black panther right, that has mm-hmm. its own historical you know connotations within america itself but a black man who's at the center you know you have a black gaze being articulated here with an attempt to provide a different reality a different representation of self and world from this more dominant hegemonic um position and it's Mm -hmm. not just a male eye it's also a female eye right i think that's very interesting about the film which is the film doesn't only kind of try to subvert some of the kind of the racial um, types that we have in film, but it also really kind of overthrows some of the the gender types that we've sort of sort of mm-hmm. used in film regularly. Completely. So you don't have... So, I, I mean, I'm not meaning to give any spoilers here with Black right. Panther, but I think this is pretty clear. Everybody knows at this point that... I mean, it's the superhero genre, so that is typically male-driven, right? Uh, but it's usually a white male, you know? So here we mm-hmm. have our, you know, African male representative, but he is surrounded by a trifecta of women who mm-hmm. are strong and empowered, and they are driving forward the action. They're not just these passive objects. And so we see the technology of cinema being completely subverted mm-hmm. in certain ways um, in order to represent um, this kind of like fantasy space that is caught up in a desire to speak to current issues and speak to um, ways of representing oneself outside of stereotypes even as it's still caught up in them right and i think that's one of those things that's really interesting to me about the you know kind of about the representation of technology in the film is you know toby and i when we when we've done this podcast uh, we've always viewed technology 
um, as kind of a double-edged sword, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, in fact, in some ways, that's the that's that's the trope of this entire series, which is, you know, we end every podcast just as we will do this one uh, <laughs> on the uh, on this question of apocalypse or utopia. Is the advancement of this technology and the increased use of some trend in technological um, practice um, ultimately positive or negative? And this is part of what we had talked a little bit about earlier, Darian, about basically having to work within the cages that you're in, in a bit. So here you have technology being represented in ways that mainstream audiences need to see and understand, obviously, as, oh, these are just clear images of technological advancement so Mm -hmm. like this bullet train right the bullet Mm -hmm. train that we see that becomes one of those key repeated motifs in the film um that one of our lone key white characters sees and that's his oh wow this place is really advanced moment Mm -hmm. right we've got great trains they're great public transportation (laughs) this is so much better than the dc metro (laughs) exactly right and yet you have this film taking some of these markers of well what does technology look like at technological Mm -hmm. advancement looks like you being able to heal a person in a matter of hours rather than months right Mm -hmm. and leave no signs of the trauma of injury it's the miraculous as you say it's this certain purity of the person wielding the technology and the effects of the technology in and of itself Mm -hmm. but we also see within so it's a very legible technology but we see within black panther how this technology is also made very african is made very mm-hmm. illegible um, and almost insider, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. In that you have technology embedded in the spear, right? There are these very traditional codes that we are being given where technology, this great kind of futuristic advancement is embedded with the cultural, with the traditional, with memory, with history, with pain, with the oral tradition, places that are often historically close to the colonizer. And Mm -hmm. this is a film that makes a lot of digs, right? To people outside of that as well. And Mm -hmm. does a kind of wink, 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 nudge, nudge, you know, guns, how primitive. And it's part of the, I I would say the, the subtle brilliance of a film like Black Panther, those moments where it uses the oral storytelling, you know, where you have to ascend to power within Wakanda, you have to go into the dreamscape and you have Mm -hmm. to commune with the ancestors and gain all that knowledge. When you uh, have to do the challenge, right? You have to see whether or not you're going to be challenged to become the next Wakanda king. king. Um, Mm -hmm. How the all the different tribes there of Wakanda um, act. There's like dancing, there's singing, there's all this movement, right? That's tied in with 
this idea of what exactly is advancement, right? Mm -hmm. That it doesn't necessarily look scientific. It doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. look rational. And in fact, there's something very antiquated in having such a rigid idea of what technology is, that it's outside Mm -hmm. of the emotions, that it's outside of the irrational and it's outside of language. Right. Right. And if you think about what technology is now, what are our most exciting technologies right now? What is what what can America right now lay claim to as being Mm -hmm. kind of the most advanced technologies? They're all information technologies, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And information technologies are essentially require two things, one of which is the the channel by which something is communicated. And the other is the format of the communication itself. Right. So obviously there's there's the Internet is an advancement in information technology, but so is so is the concept of Twitter. Twitter is not a technological mm-hmm. advancement. It's a conceptual advancement in how information is shared, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the second point that I wanted to make in thinking about, well, how do you take a historically white mechanism like cinema, this white technology, and tell black stories, you know, tell, Mm -hmm. you know, speak to these non-white realities and place that subjectivity, the marginalized, right, at the center. How do you take this technology and make it a non-white or black technology? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there are different ways in which you see that being done. It's often either by having a text that tries to merge both the legible and the illegible by having dream sequences, by having a type of nonlinear structure, which Black Panther does not do because they are Mm -hmm. still caught within... It's it's Hollywood mainstream cinema. It's a superhero genre and it has to keep to certain codes. But that's the second way, right? You take the structures that are in place and you have to work within them and try Mm -hmm. then within that to basically revolt and resist in some meaningful way. If you think about, um, for instance, someone like um, Ahati McDaniel, who she was, you know, she was the first African-American to win an Academy Award um, for her mommy rule uh, in Gone mm-hmm. with the Wind in 1939, Best Supporting Actress. And after that, basically for the rest of her career, she played mommy roles. She was the help. And mm-hmm. you had this type of stereotype that still exists today. You know, how do you represent um, the African-American, you know, or mm-hmm. the, the, the non-white in cinema. They're interchangeable. They're amorphous, right? Um, they are caught up in all these stereotypes. But if that's where the job is, what do you do if you then want to speak to um, these larger concerns? These um, mm-hmm. that, you know, in order to present a type of counter-representation, you know? And so Mm -hmm. you then would have a film like The Help in 2011 where people are still playing the maid character, but through these roles, right, they attempt to speak back to power in some way. 
So mm-hmm. I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's a way in which, you know, part of the problem, you know, of a technology such as cinema that is just so historically embedded in white patriarchy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and um, again, these types of um, ideologies that mm-hmm. don't allow a lot of room for obvious um, difference or transformation or representation of other stories and other realities. Right. Well, and I think that's one of the things that's really interesting to me and I, is right now this question of like, you know, I kind of, I kind of raised this prospect of there are almost like two types of technology right now in our, in our society. There's, there's cultural technology and then there's power technology. I would say power mm-hmm. technology would be anything that's dealing with, say, the armed forces, with dealing with um, these these kinds of technologies that are about exerting power in in a very overt way. Um, you could say even even forms of energy technology is very much a power technology, right? And then you have cultural technologies, which is all the ways of essentially moving. I mean, if we if we really think about how human society at such a large scale decides things and makes decisions and moves in one direction or another, cultural technologies, I would argue, are maybe even more significant than power technologies to a certain, mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree. And while power technologies, if you think about the Silicon Valley world of kind of startup and all this, or if you think about the defense industry and all that, are very, I would say, are still very white um, and very patriarchal in many ways, um, cultural technologies are not. Right. I guess what I would say there, because I think you raised a really good point but in thinking about that you have to think about who's consuming as mm-hmm. well so i mean you mentioned you mentioned sports right? like you know basketball and you know um, football being the two main ones where you definitely they're dominated by um non-white players right but mm-hmm. the you know perhaps you can say the cultural power is there but where's the economic power really mm-hmm. right um right. you still so so you have you know and you can speak about music too you're talking about certain genres of music still you think classical music that's like still the um purview of whiteness right mm-hmm. and that's not to right. say that you don't have key and important non-white individuals who are dominating cultural spaces. Um, Mm -hmm. So the thing with a medium such as cinema, it's not that Black Panther is the first black film to make money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You've had others before. Um, You've had, oh, what's the name of that film? The, the, uh, in Compton, Straight Outta Compton. Right, mm-hmm. that made a lot of money. Um, oh, I should have had a list of them. You, you've had. I mean, the help, the the one with the mathematicians. <laughs> I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of that one. But like, uh, oh, the had, um, yeah. What is it? Hidden uh, figures. Hit, yes. So you yep. know, you've you've had you. I mean, and you could even talk about. I mean, you get into the action films. You know, Will Smith still remains mm-hmm. even though he's you know i don't want to say he's towards the end of his career but I mean, he's not as shining a star as he used to be but right. 
he is still a star that made, like, he was at the top of his game making, like, most money you know right right um, he used to um, open out he used to open yeah. a movie every summer right like he you used know, to be completely the box office favorite and so black panther is not the first and there's a lot of hope that oh you know here's black panther really breaking a lot of records finally the people in power who are the white people, right? Hollywood mm-hmm. must see. You know, we say Hollywood is this amorphous kind of idea. Well, who's Hollywood, right? They must right. see that black stories, you know, black characters, they sell, they can sell. Right. And so there's the hope that that will bring about this tremendous change, right? That as you're saying, right. cinema is the last bastion and there'll be this tremendous change because of Black Panther, but, I mean, that would be great. But you have these other films that have come before. I mean, you could even look at, um, uh, what's the, the, uh, the Jackie Chan one with um, Chris? You oh, know Chris Tucker, the, yes. the Russia, yeah, Russia. Yeah, right. Russia made right. lots of money. Right? Yeah. You, know, you have a lot of these films, and yet it hasn't changed anything. Right. Right. And, and to, I think you're, I mean, I think you're, you're correct about that. I don't, I don't, I don't think the, um, the true kind of economic center of, of most of these things has really shifted yet. But I think kind of thinking back through sport where it used to be, it used to be that the, you know, black players would play for white owners, right? Except mm-hmm. now you have, now you have Magic Johnson, now you have Michael Jordan, both essentially running teams. Um, you have uh, less so in football. Um, you now have, um, you know, Jay-Z and um, Diddy, um, Sean mm-hmm. Combs, mm-hmm. Running, running serious music labels and brand engines that are not just, that are, I mean, you can give kind of um, Def Records a lot of credit, but you can't say that Def Records was anywhere close to what, jay-z and combs are doing from a pure like business mm-hmm, perspective mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so it's not that it's all equal now <laughs> by any stretch it's that the movement toward the movement up the chain from being just the product into being kind of at the kind of at in the driver's seat in some cases mm-hmm. is is shifting and if you think about who's direct it's not just that black panther was a black film it's who's directing it how's it mm-hmm. being produced like who's who's the creative team involved in who's making the decisions i'm very interested in this in this this character of killmonger the michael b jordan character mm-hmm. in black panther as being this character who is very very much a product of a white technology and is at the same time um trying to engage a kind of black technology in order to resist or overthrow well i think killmonger is the black population killmonger Mm. is the diaspora right Mm -hmm. he is the spectator who's outside of wakanda who wants to return to this fantasy space and doesn't understand why the space doesn't want to return to him (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know doesn't want to let him in and doesn't want to use it's technology to help the diaspora. 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, it is a, a superhero genre, so you have to have your your hero and your villain, right? And Killmonger mm-hmm. is he's he's a really interesting villain, you know, from everyone I've spoken to across race. Killmonger, I think, is the most compelling character in the film because mm-hmm. he's so lost, he's so hurt, and he's not wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. in what he wants. It's just how he wants to go about it, which you're right. It is the ultimate white fear. It is the the fear of emancipation, right? Oh, yeah. if we emancipate these slaves, they're going to run rampant and kill all of us. So we have to have an abolition period where right. they have to learn how to be free. They can't just be free, right? Right. So it's, it is this fear of letting the subjugated <laughs> free and what mm-hmm. he will do with his freedom. Um, and so Killmonger, he is this figure in if one of the questions is what would we have been what would the world be what would the world have been without colonialism then killmonger then presents this other question how should the subjugated react to a place like wakanda to this fantasy world of just this powerful technology that can empower the individual. I think the thing that we have to figure out is what is the, how do we not end up in a Killmonger situation? I don't know that anybody benefits from that. Clearly Wakanda doesn't benefit from a Killmonger situation. Um, but it's, it is the, as you say, like Killmonger in some ways is the African diaspora, right? Like mm-hmm. that is the, it is the damaged, traumatized, angry, but increasingly powerful world that we've created um mm-hmm. and but how do we find ourselves in a with some sort of resolution that doesn't end up essentially in kind of vendetta kind of in a vendetta space completely because i do think there is a problem with the film's resolution right so mm-hmm. what wakanda decides to do is what the world's already doing they're right. they're saying let's reveal ourselves and give aid right, mm-hmm. to these poor suffering African countries and the lost Wakandans all throughout the world, um, right. and as we know, that's not. I mean, it's it's a great solution, but it's mm-hmm. already a solution that the world has, and it's not enough. Right. right. Um, and so what Killmonger is asking for, now he's going the whole other direction and he's like, let's take this technology and I've studied all these other nations. I've studied imperialism. We can do it better and we can rule the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, Killmonger, okay. You've studied all that. So you know, that's also not the resolution. That's not the solution. Um, that's only the solution if you want to, to prevent yourself from being swallowed. You want to swallow the world. <laughs> right. right. Um, so you're exactly right. What is that solution then? Because Killmonger, for the purposes of this film, he has to die in the end. He cannot right. exist. But in killing Killmonger, you 
kind of kill the revolutionary possibility for change and not a revolution just that's embedded in death and violence, right? right? But one that really is able to use the technology um, in ways that are altruistic, yes, but that perhaps are able to um, accede to new thoughts and new ways of seeing. I think for Killmonger, as you were saying, he's born out of white technologies, right? Mm -hmm. So his solution would be violence, right? Right. And just go down this route, this historical route. Um, I think in the the superhero genre, the moral universe has to be absolute. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you... You get those films that attempt, you know, they, they, they muddy it. They want us to really question these notions of good and evil, yada, yada, yada. But ultimately, good always wins, <laughs> right? There's right. just a clear cut. This is good. This is right. This is idealistic. You are right. a hero, <laughs> right? So in a film like Black Panther, it becomes really interesting because you have the Chala. Who, sorry, T'Challa, right? Who is just so good. He's our super uh, Superman character. Just mm-hmm. unflinchingly good, right? right? There's no challenging. He, he's under no real conflict, right? right. He knows what's <laughs> right and what's wrong. It's the people around him that actually make him more nuanced. The women around him um, mm-hmm. that bring all these different subjectivities and different ways of thinking about um, the, I guess, morality, you know, of Mm -hmm. um, Wakanda and the question. And then especially Killmonger too, who even to his dying breath doesn't just lie down and die, right? Right. Right. He calls up the slave narrative, right? Mm -hmm. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, better to die free than to die a slave. Um, And so here we have with Killmonger an attempt even within the morality and the tightness of this universe to really, again, put these, you know, if you think about it in terms of music, right? these kind of off-pitch notes that you mm-hmm. can't just as an audience be happy in the end. You can't just celebrate. You can't just be like, okay, everything's good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a discordant note where you're just conflicted and you're a bit, I think, unsettled about right. how you about what's, you know, what's the the right direction to go? How should technology be used? How can we talk about the world today and race relations and just this history of trauma and memory that still affects everybody? You know, this is not just a black film, (laughs) a black technology. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about um, this looking at, a technology 
like cinema and the shifts that you see beginning to happen, not just within cinema, but you know, you're talking about cultural technology, you know, it's, it's one, and maybe this is my, um, my, my type of, um, idealism coming in here, but mm -hmm. one where you see a bit more of a universality, right? And mm -hmm. a space that's, um, a multiplicity, mm -hmm. you know, one where the technology allows for, um, all races right? to really mm -hmm. be able to, um, grapple with and negotiate one's own present past. Yeah. And, and that's I interesting. feel, I, oh, sorry, go on. No, I was saying, I, I was saying that how I feel that's a large part of what makes Black Panther a film that's a crossover film. Everybody loves it, right? It's not just mm -hmm. a black film. Um, it's a film that allows everyone to negotiate their current situation, you know, right. their current world situation. Right. I do. I agree with you. I think there's something in the Martin Freeman character, the token, the token white guy, um, <laughs> that, that I, uh, there's a way in which it's, he, it's he nice asks, to actually have a white token. <laughs> Right, exactly. I like to be token sometimes. Um, no, but there's a way in which he he kind of performs the act of conversion mm -hmm. throughout the film, right? Like that's 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 the journey that he's on as a model for a different way of embracing this, which is starting off with a kind of resistance and even sort of an insufferable superiority into kind of rejection into suspicion right like he's deeply he's deeply suspicious he becomes deeply suspicious of this technology not being in the hands of the u.s or the cia whatever um and then ultimately kind of um kind of acceptance and kind of shared mission shared journey i love the scene with him and um mumbaku yes which I, which I thought was a Who's a, who's a Trinidadian, a right. Trinbagonian, well, by the Tobagan. way. He's Tobagan. He's Tobagan. Trinbagonian. Don't be totally... <laughs> <laughs> about the Trin. <laughs> right, exactly. Your boy, your boy, Mabaku. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We all <laughs> exactly. love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he, just the, that relationship where, even even as even as the Freeman character who who does a lovely American accent for the film, um, kind of gets he, he is he is kept in place at times, not overstepping, not at the same time he is given points of of freedom again. It's like you don't feel like you come out of it feeling like he's like now he's the one that's oppressed. Now he's right, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I think is this. I don't think it's just sort of a kind of a, a flag of truce for race relations. I think it's saying like there, there's not the zero sum quality to, to these relationships. You know, mm -hmm. one, one side up does not mean the other side down. We don't, mm -hmm, we, we mm -hmm. come to appreciate, we don't feel that he's been emasculated by the end of the film. Um, even as he's had to kind of really deal with the discomfort of perhaps not having the power position that he's used to having. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he's still given an active role in the film, right? It's right. not like he's just um, the historical, he's not given the historical female role where he's just there to look pretty. 
he gets the right. whole scene where he helps to save Wakanda, right? right. Right. So he still and does gets so that. in a quintessentially <laughs> brave way, right? Like he's yes, potential so, sacrifice of self, all that. Absolutely, absolutely. So you still have a white hero in it, <laughs> right. even, but that's tempered by the way in which the film does. You're exactly right. Talking about language now as a technology, we are given more than just our typical, just official English. You mm-hmm. get. You get Creole, you get your dialect, um, mm-hmm. and you get non-language, where we just get animal grunts, which communicate in and of itself, um, mm-hmm. and speak louder than words do. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, again, you have this film coming with these different ways, even within a structure where you still have to have your white male gaze, seeing right. technology and being the one to to give the nod of approval that yes, this is an advanced nation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they have to go in front of the UN, right? So yes, right. we get the nod of the white civilized world. This is a advanced civilized nation, but within that, or should I say, outside of that, pushing against these constructs, mm-hmm. you get all these then alternate ways of thinking and seeing alternate technologies like language, like music, like dream spaces to mm-hmm. um, push back against these uh, kind of like hegemonic um, forms of understanding, of defining, of representation to present um, just these other insights. Yeah, I agree. It does make me think um, what ultimately are the technologies that they're going to be sharing? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the, the implication, I guess, by by landing the spaceship there and the not the spaceship, I guess the advanced f- flight thing, whatever that thing is, plane, I guess, uh, in Oakland, that they're sharing those technologies. But it does wonder it does make you wonder whether they're going to be just as serious about sh- sharing kind of these dream space technologies, these these other kinds of and whether I mean, I can only imagine what the. um kind of the 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 u.s drugs are thinks about (laughs) (laughs) dream space technologies um but it does make you wonder like what ultimately are they considering sharing because there's weapons they obviously have weapon technology they have health technology mm -hmm. yeah i think ultimately again is that cultural cachet right it's these new realities these new representations because you have to remember how it ends you have your young African-American male who walks away from the spaceship and approaches the Chala um, mm-hmm. and Suri and asks, who are you? And that's where it kind of ends, where he smiles mysteriously. So it's mm-hmm. almost not about the technology. It's about right. these fresh new representations of the... Um, the the african-american male well i should Mm -hmm. even put african-american right the african male the black male in particular within this american context we are being given that seems today even more important in terms of what is being shared i think about the 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 character or the archetype of kind of the the black revolutionary in american society feels like it's always fallen to two spaces it's the martyr or the um militant uh-huh. you f- feel like you either have king 
who yes. managed to make significant change in some ways is beloved for his openness to martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have um, Malcolm X, who's, yes. who also obviously suffered from a, a form of martyrdom. But mm-hmm. I don't know that you would say that he suffered from martyrdom because I, I don't know that martyrdom implies that you allowed it to come rather than fought tooth and nail for it. Um, well, and you have these two characters that, you know, King is, you're exactly right. He's the church goer, right? Looks mm-hmm. our icon of goodness, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Unimpeachable, right? Um, and then you have someone like um, Malcolm X, who's really edgy looking, really snazzy, um, and who is actually the Black Panther, you have these two approaches. They want largely the same thing, but different approaches to how do you help, by extension, the world, but ourselves, you know? How do we present, how do you use what we have, the current technology, in order mm-hmm. to accede to power and self-representation. I was, I was looking at something like T'Challa's father as being kind of this classic Dr. King portrayal, Ah, okay. Right? And Killmonger as kind of being this, this um, uh, Malcolm X kind of, you know, um, black power militant as as kind of the alternative and and T'Challa essentially being a third path that there's that is essentially being formed throughout the film mm. if you you know if you with the, if the film is really trying to come to an understanding about what is a healthy third path that doesn't end up in either self-immolation or um kind of resubjugation um or for that matter um apocalyptic warfare with the rest of the <laughs> rest of the world um it feels like even though he is not, in some ways, not a very interesting dramatic character, the character of T'Challa, because <laughs> he isn't. He is. He is. No, he has not. all the depth of Superman. Uh huh. Um, there is a way in which the film is trying to figure out how to take what is maybe an inherent goodness and placing it into a world that allows it to be not weakness and not not violence. It's like he's just a. He's just a force of intention, and the and the whole rest of the film is trying to create the context in which that intention can function mm-hmm. in a healthy way. I see and, that. And can I? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Please continue. I, can I add something to what you're saying about yeah. T'Challa? If he's this third part that we are talking about, um, he is so obviously just a conduit for female power. no he is right it's a matriarchal society he is surrounded by the queen mother right Mm -hmm. um by the head of his uh, military um uh what was her name okoye um Mm -hmm. it's more than a trifecta because you have his sister sui and then you have nakia his love interest on the side um it's all of their power that flows through him more mm. so than <laughs> so you're that, so you're saying the the answer is actually female empowerment that's that, that's your <laughs> oh absolutely we've known this for a long time that it's the woman <laughs> right <laughs> right right well that's a that's that's 
You might be now. You're stepping over what I can possibly abide. <laughs> now I'm getting into dangerous waters. Huh? Yeah, now I'm very uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> because without them, T'Challa is just this very conservative character. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when he goes into the dream space, it's only a whole bunch of men there as well, and mm-hmm. he feels betrayed by them, and he re- he renounces them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the female power (laughs) (laughs) that really then is part of this. You know, we could put Killmonger in as well, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because he's kind of like, again, outside this um, this ideal of the male hero, right, of um, male power, which is this imagined coherence and wholeness and purity and strength and whatever else right? mm-hmm. um but you have all these individuals that really then help shape this mm-hmm. version of the black panther that becomes this alternate part that mm-hmm. will use the technology in a certain way to really change the world right that's very interesting that's that's interesting and it's it's again like with if you've figure out that the resolution of the film is not the death of Killmonger, but is the, uh, in some ways, the empowerment of uh, uh, his younger sister to start taking the, the technology out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, T'Challa's to, to younger sister. Like if that's the resolution, that might be the, that might be the most interesting answer out of this, which is not just the, um, not kind of not just the the shift in racial power dynamics, but even kind of a, a an alteration in gender dynamics as well. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that and maybe that is the that is a way of of releasing some of this kind of binary tension that it might be otherwise unresolvable. I like that, and nice. you know, along that part. Uh, you know, in terms of what I understand in the comic, it is the sister who ultimately becomes the next Black Panther, right? Hmm. Hmm. And goes off with this technology, so it all makes sense. I like our conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see whether they do that in the next uh, Black Panther, which will inevitably be made. So. Yes, and hopefully Ryan Coogler will also. <laughs> you know, have his full cast of, because it was obviously a love project for everybody involved. And hopefully he'll get all the same people to work with again and we'll have another strong story and aesthetics. That Um, will be the real success if you can turn a sequel of a highly grossing uh, Marvel superhero film into an equally interesting film. One time is a, one time (laughs) is a, uh, is a passion project. Two times is a wave. (laughs) We shall see. Well, yes. Candace, thank you so much for, or Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for, uh, <laughs> for taking the time. And um, yeah, Toby and I will now opine about this. He'll be glad to know that ultimately it's um, it's uh, women's empowerment that is going to rule in his family. Well, my job here is done. <laughs> it's been my pleasure. Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So, uh, yeah, Black Panther as a technology, technology in Black Panther. I think we, we kind of got it all there. Yeah, I, I feel like you did. And uh, I, I feel mighty proud 
as, as someone tangentially involved in both of your lives. <laughs> <laughs> and by mighty proud, you will take full credit for uh, for everything that was just said there. Uh, I will not record myself saying that. No, <laughs> that's, that's not something I'll do. Um, but I, I did want to maybe chat a, a little bit more about Black Panther before we leapt into uh, the apocalypse or utopia segment, in, in part because I, I'm so fascinated by this idea of cinema as a technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And, I mean, you made a lot of really fascinating distinctions there between sort of cultural technologies and power technologies, although it seems uh, it seems difficult to parse that in some ways because in some ways cinema is, of course, a power technology. I mean, right. it's got a long history of propaganda, and anybody who's looked at something like the affair with Harvey Weinstein uh, would see how much sort of power and control and whiteness and right, you know, right. all this kind of stuff is, is part of that industry too. I do want to indicate that it's not that, and, and I don't know that that delineation is even maybe the right delineation or the right terminology to delineate those two, but it does feel like they're, I think the thing that has really grabbed me about it, and I know I, you know, I talked about it with Kenneth a little bit, was this concept of technology, of a cultural technology as being something that is not only pretty vibrant, but it's in fact in some ways perhaps more ultimately powerful than what we think of as more of these conventional um, kind of power-based technologies, weapon systems, um, kind of traditional communications technologies like like um, the internet or something like that. The idea that a cultural technology as a way to distribute idea um, is, is really interesting to me. And that is both the format and the message. Um, and I don't know that I really thought about that until really until probably this, this film and hearing the discussion about it and how, um, how this is really a representation of a, of a technology and of a technological culture that has so often historically been um, appropriated. Yeah, and something I'd even say more, like the word technology, you can almost say it with like sort of scare quotes around it. Uh, Just to take us into the time machine for two seconds, in uh, around 1850, there's this thing called the World's Fair. Um, This this giant glass palace is built in England, and they put all of the sort of most advanced things in the world, and then everybody comes and looks. There's this idea of you Mm -hmm. can see all the things that imperialism has wrought. Mm-hmm. And they divide it divide it into four sections. They have an arts and culture section. They have a manufacturing, like machines that manufacture section. They have a products of manufacture section. Um, and they have a raw materials section. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I find is so interesting about this is seeing, even at that early point, how do we distinguish between like what a novel does mm-hmm. and what a printing press does? Like mm-hmm. which one of these gets to be a technology? Which one of these counts as an art? You right. know, how do you how do you make that word work in some places, and not other places? And then what does that mean? Because for imperialism, that was all about power. The things we have are technology. The things you have are culture. And I, I think in Black Panther, one of the things that's so cool is how things like art, right? Like the 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 big sort of capes that the the one tribe wears are also shields. Mm-hmm. You know. That, that all these things that we might think about as like a, a kind of cultural artifact are actually technological artifact. Right. Um, but yeah, so Black Panther as, you know, kind of a representation of both the technology in the movie Black Panther, but the movie itself, but film itself, cinema itself. And I think that's where I think Candace really 
really provided some really interesting insights on that. I love the thing about T'Challa being just like a proxy for female power. Oh, right. That was really interesting. I think that that question of, and I think this is this, this way forward and this idea that you have these, all these representations and that's really what film is doing as a technology, right? It's an incredibly powerful technology for creating representation, right? I mean, maybe more so than any other technology that we have Um, because it's, I mean, you know, the, um, the German term for this is actually called, um, and it was actually a Wagnerian uh, term called Gesamtkunstwerk. And then, (laughs) right. Which is very German. The idea that it's, it, it reduces aesthetic distance, which would be the theoretical um, term for it. But basically, it sweeps you up in it, right? And you saw the you saw under actually under under Hitler with um, Lenny Riefenstahl using film using cinema. You saw this this presentation that is overwhelming music. You know the sound, the visuals, the the angles, the representation of Hitler. Like all of that is this just it it reduces one's ability to think critically about any of that and that's the vision of Gazamkin's work it it sweeps you up into it and and you lose all ability to think critically and you just are emotionally swept away and film does that yeah. more so and and the bigger our technologies get the bigger our film technologies get with you know bigger surround sound bigger surround um screen you know bigger screens all of that film is a an immersive um, narrative technology in a way that I don't think anything else is. Yeah. Well, and I, I think this seems like a great segue. I mean, we've got Lenny Riefenstahl, Gazappen, Hoppen um, <laughs> on one side. Uh, and you have Black Panther, which has given so many people so much hope and this sort of thing on the other side. Um, maybe this is a way of segueing into uh, asking about whether this kind of technology seems like apocalypse or utopia. <laughs> I think one of the things that Candace said that I think was really was really valuable was this question of can this inherently white technology be wielded for the purpose of black empowerment or do you just sort of end up being kind of appropriated into it and really nothing really changing yeah yeah um and that's a you know I, I heard an excellent uh, New Yorker podcast interview with Ava DuVernay the other day and she was talking about if you look at the last 10 years of the highest grossing films, 97% of the directors are white men, or mm-hmm. at the very least men. And, and and so you're saying, well, whose vision is still the the massively predominant vision? And do these, these you know, moments like Black Panther or hopefully like Wrinkle in Time or something like that, uh, are they exactly the exception that proves the rule about the the kind of role and power of this technology? Mm-hmm. That rather than, and perhaps rather than even um, providing empowerment, maybe even diffusing whatever kind of revolutionary spirit there might be out there that's going to insist upon kind of an ongoing um, increase in inequality across kind of cultural. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, across, you know, all kinds of vectors. I mean, we're, we have some of the, the steepest divides between the, the upper class and the right. upper upper class and right. the upper class even, right? Like the, the, the obscenely rich are becoming obscenely richer at, at, 
at, at accelerating paces. Right. Um, well, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it probably a, you know, I'm going to say a seven. I'm going to be pretty, I'm going to be pretty um, positive about it because I, I don't know if you were to ask me if if the 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 apocalypse utopia scale was how fast I think it's going to happen. That's very different than do I think it's ultimately leading in a direction that I think is um, you know is is more equal, is more empowered. And I, I in that case I would say it's probably not going to change the industry overnight. I don't think we're suddenly going to be like a fully representative even as a percentage basis of the overall population racially speaking, but. Yeah, I think I think it's leading us towards that. What do you think? Let's see. Uh, I, so the, the, in in romantic discourse, there's this, or you know, this poetic discourse in the early nineteenth century. There's this argument about what art is and what art does, and these two models are you imagine it as a mirror or a lamp? Does it reflect something that exists, or does it? put something does it put light out into the world is it is it actually sort of creative or is it just reflective um and of course this is part of what you're saying a bit a bit of both right sometimes mm -hmm. you make a movie it's just reflecting the moment as it is right now or a feeling in culture and sometimes it creates some of that feeling um and i, I feel like black panther does that in in the most fascinating way um I think that the movie industry, I think cinema as a technology is undergoing this massive sea change in the way that the internet changed retail in the 90s. Um, because you see like Netflix has become mm -hmm. like a separate studio and Amazon and Hulu. Like there's all these different content creators pushing back against what a movie is and what television is and that kind of thing. And it's forcing some of these old slow moving industries to suddenly like experiment with new <laughs> models and new ways of seeing um so i i think this is actually i think this is a the tip of a really really exciting iceberg in all kinds of ways and, and i think as candace said this is one of the points that i loved said ev even more than that the industry is changing consumers are hungry for it mm -hmm. that almost regardless of how good this movie is, <laughs> which I think it's very good, uh, that people would go out and spend 800 million and counting on it, mm -hmm. um, says that there is a demand there. There is a hunger there for mm -hmm. e exactly this. Um, I'm going to say a 10. Oh, I think wow. if anything, if anything is going to lead us towards like a, a better, uh, a, a better sort of, future technological ethos and, and better deployment of a, a, a thing that cinema is, is such a, a deep and intimate pairing of advanced technologies and narrative mm -hmm. um, to, you know, create light uh, at its best, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, at its, right. at its worst. It's so bad, but. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I think that's, I think that sounds, uh, that's pretty convincing. I, uh, I think there's, I think it's interesting to feel so much optimism right now around this film in the midst of a time when I think there's so much ambiguity and so much tension, um, maybe outside the cinema, which might be a first. It might be that there is actually, yeah. <laughs> there is, there is less tension inside the cinema than there is outside at this particular well, in, moment. The, in the Great Depression, people 
people went to the movies in droves, you know? Right. Right. Well, I think the I think the the hope that I have maybe out of this film, um, and we talk about it a little bit, was just this idea that is there a presentation of a third way, right? Is there a presentation of an arch- archetypal representation of of a of an increasingly equal, empowered populace of all diversity that um that that where one person's power doesn't become like another person's weakness yeah i agree i agree and and i think that's for me like part of what's so great about and candace made this point too i mean candace made so many good points but um about how there's this problem of like in order to have sort of art that pushes forward um the you know for for power and for representation from those who have not been represented you can either sort of change the expression or you can accept certain kinds of limitations of expressing yourself within a genre like the superhero genre that's already been formed and and while i i am all for and i think there are so many powerful versions of people you know rupturing and revolutionizing art to say something new i think there's also something to be said for meeting people where they are like speaking within a genre that that people understand and love and where everyone can feel kind of co-present in the story and i think this is the very best version of that yeah well you're not going to get an argument from me i work in advertising i've never created anything new in my life (laughs) (laughs) all right well till next time we have an exciting podcast coming up just to plug it we have uh we're going to start our our origin story series yeah two men in a garage two men in a garage till next time sir all right. Love you, ma'am. Love you, too. Bye. Bye.